Amen. And uh, as we as we look at this section of scripture, I uh, I want to I want to share something with you um, from this section that I I believe just two verses pretty much will do it, and I, I think they're two very important verses. And uh, before we do though, and I think what these verses show is uh, the title of my sermon is just very simple. It's um, belief. Belief is the beginning, but remaining is essential. And for, for many of us, we treat the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as more of like an end line of we just hear the news and we're like, sweet, now I'm good, like uh, everything's sorted, which like kind of, yes, but like there's so much more to it than that. Like we, we would, you'd still live in the flesh in so many ways where, where Christ is speaking of a freedom that comes where you can have purpose, fulfillment, all these things that sometimes we miss out on or don't recognize because we treat more like Jesus and salvation as just like, cool, I got my ticket, now I'm good. I want to speak to that for a moment. And, and we're going to look at these two verses, and I just want to read that 31 again. And it says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So, so something important, he's speaking to a group of people, and what we're told is Jesus speaking to the ones that believed in him, the ones that already had faith. Now, he's there, he's teaching, and he's teaching in the, like a temple, and he's speaking to roughly like 50 to 100 people, and there's normal Joes, if you will, just average guys there, and then there's also the religious leaders that are there listening to what Jesus has to say. What's interesting, if you continue reading chapter 8, uh, it only gets more heated, because the religious leaders don't like what Jesus has to say, and they continue to argue, and they really get more into a verbal attack with Jesus over the course of this chapter. But how we see Jesus respond, he continues to respond with like the truth. He's not backing down, but, but the way he goes about it is like just with so much peace. Like he deals with it so like nonchalant. Like you and I, the way that Jesus is attacked verbally, you and I, we'd get heated, right? Like we'd clinch our fists, like we'd, we'd be ready to go. And Jesus, he just continues to speak that truth, but in such just a peaceful way. I think that even for many of us, that's so important for you because every time that something gets a little heated, every time someone like hurts you and they, they say some messed up things or you've dealt with some things, uh, maybe you need to start just recognizing the truth and in that even the truth sets you free from that like anger, that hate, that frustration where you can be like, nah, I, I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. Whatever the division and divisiveness and all this stuff it's not going to affect me. I know who I am. I think that's even just alone so important. And we see that through the course of chapter 8. But Jesus, he's speaking to those who believe in him, we're told. And he says this, you are truly my disciples. He says, if you remain faithful to my teachings. Disciple is a follower of Christ. You, you're, you're recognizing yourself as a Christian. Like a little Christ is really what it means. And that like we're all little Christ. Like I know that sounds weird maybe, but that's who we are putting our identity in. You're no longer Tim. You're no longer Joe. You're no longer Sally. Like you are a Christ. You're, you're, you're seen as Christ. That's the identity that we're told we have. And uh, but, but what's interesting even in this verse is we see that belief is the beginning. But, but Jesus doesn't stop at that. Like, if you, if you believe in me, cool, we're done. Now, he's speaking to those who believe in him. So for you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a Christian, he's speaking to you. And he doesn't say, hey, if you just recognize me as your Lord, you're good. 
No, what he says is, if you remain faithful to my teachings. Like, if, if you remain faithful in this. See, faith, it, it's just the beginning. Recognizing Christ as your, as your Lord, it, it's, it's the beginning of a journey. It, it's recognizing this. And he explains it. Remain faithful to my teachings. What he's, what he's saying, just to make sure there's clarity here. He says, hey, like, remain faithful here. Like, know my word. Like, know, know who I say you are and know who I say I am. Remain faithful to my teachings. I'm, I'm speaking to the Christians right now. Like, if, if you're not really sure what you think or believe or you don't even agree with me yet, like, we'll talk in a little while. But right now, if you are a follower of Christ, I'm speaking to you. What he says is, remain faithful to my teachings. You want to know what that means? Read your Bible. Spend some time in prayer. Don't, I have no problem with the verse of the day, but don't just read the verse of the day and be like, I'm killing it. Like, no, remain faithful to my teachings isn't like, ah, check that off, got verse of the day, and I said a prayer right before I ate, which all you were thinking about was the food to eat and not even what you were saying to God, and you felt like you checked it up. No, he doesn't want any of that. He dealt with the religious leaders. He spoke about that. I don't need you to mark off some checks. I need you to remain faithful, have a relationship. That's what he's speaking about. He says, remain faithful to my teachings. And he's speaking to me. And he's speaking to you. And he says this, remain faithful. And for many of us, how can we know and how can we follow his teachings if we don't know him, if we don't remain faithful to him, if we don't try to grow in our understanding of who God is? And sometimes it can be confusing. You're like, that's a weird-looking animal with a lot of eyes. What's going on there? Remain faithful. You don't have to know it all. You just have to continue to pursue it. That's what he speaks to. See, belief is, is the beginning, but remaining is essential. And as I've been thinking about this more and more, one of my fears, I think, as a pastor is that we can have a church full of people, but the only thing that you're doing is you're hearing God's word only on a Sunday when I read a couple verses. And if, if you don't walk this out, that's last week's message. If you don't own this yourself, man, storms will come. Difficulties will come. We're, we're not told that those just escape us and that we're all good now and everything's fluffy and like happy and like rainbows and unicorns and all this stuff as Christians. No, it, we're not told that. What we're told is you're going to have the strength to go through that. You're going you're to have the strength to go through that. And the question becomes... How do you remain faithful? In verse 32, we're told to remain faithful. And then verse 32, it just says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice even in this, because for us nowadays, we, we have that statement like your truth, like in my truth, and we all got our own. And that sounds interesting. It's like, I, I, I want to change mine. I want a new one. Like, how does that work? What, what the scripture says is, not you will know your truth and then you'll feel good about your situation. It says you will know the truth. And when you know that truth, it changes everything. It changes everything. But, but it's important to recognize this because we can get to a place in our lives where we're just like, you do you, I'll do me, like we're all good. And it's like, no, there's something deeper that both of us aren't pursuing because we're just going to our own selfish desires. We're, we're just going to what our comfort is. And we all get into these categories, and it's like, no, that truth, when you finally realize it, for some of you, you've been walking around 
wanting to feel that freedom in Christ, but you still haven't because you're continuing to carry some of that yourself, thinking, I got to deal with this. And if you continue with that, you're missing out on the full truth of what that means, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you're still carrying it. And you don't feel free because you're carrying what you no longer are called to carry. And he says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What's interesting for me is when I think about this section of Scripture is um, for many of us is the question just becomes, like it says, remain faithful to my teachings. For most of us, we're like, cool, that's the Bible. I just got to, like, get a better Bible plan, maybe a couple more verses. I'm good now. For some of you, you're like, okay, my question is, like, how, how long do I got to read a day or, like, a week? Like, how many times a week? Like, are you call- dude, are you saying seven days a week? Bruh, come on. Like, what about the Sabbath? Can I have that one off at least? Like, what do I get out of it? Like, and you're, you're going to questions right away. And, and can I tell you, that was the problem with the religious leaders that Jesus continued to speak to. They were just looking for like, okay, what do I have to do? So like they made so many rules about like how many steps you can take on a certain day and what you can or can't do and all this stuff. And they missed out on what really mattered. So if your question is, how, how many days, how, how often do I have to read? Like, what do I got to do? Do I have to pray? How many times? Like, what does that look like? Let me just tell you what you're doing right now. Do some more. Like what, you, what you're doing right now, just do some more. Like if you're reading the verse of the day, hey, at least you're getting something into you. But don't, don't stop there. Like do some more. Like maybe now read the verses around the verse of the day because you'll get a better context of what's occurring and happening. Because you can read one verse and be like, that sounds great. But if you read the one before, it's like, whoa, that means a little something different than I realized. Like it's, it's, it's just doing some more and pursuing, remaining faithful. Faithful means, man, you're in it to win it. You're in it all the time. He says remain faithful. Remain faithful to my teachings. For some of you, it's starting to open that Bible up. Start going to it and say, hey, even when I don't understand, I'm going to like write some notes around it. Like I'm going to circle something, put a big old question mark. I do that still. I'm like, bro, that sounds crazy. Like how do I deal with that reality of what the scripture is saying? And then it's researching and studying and hearing from others. And maybe they're encouraging, challenging. But get into God's word. Remain faithful to his teachings. For some of you, though, I, I want to I share it this way. Remaining faithful is to reading the word. You need to stop just reading for intellectual knowledge. Although that is good, you need to start reading in faith. W- what I mean by that is when you read the word of God, when you go to God in prayer, and if you're going for like, I got to say a certain word or say a certain thing and then I'm good, or I got to read that word. And, and as long as I, oh, do you know the historical context during that time? Which is valuable. It gives you a better understanding of the word. But don't just read for your intellect. Read in faith. Because what we're told is the word of God is alive. It's, it's within us. It works within us. It transforms us. The word of God can change your life. But you got to start reading in faith. What, what I mean is you got to start reading with the understanding that when you're reading the word of God, it'll transform your life. So the way that you treat others and speak to others, man, God can transform that and change that for the better. But when you remain faithful and in faith, reading the word of God, that it would change your life, that you'd remain faithful, that you'd be more confident and secure in who you are because the word of God is working in your life. It's remaining faithful in the word of God. We're told, 
by Jesus. He says to his believers, so I'm talking to the Christians, and just so you know, if you're like, yeah, you need to really tell those Christians, I'm talking to you too, and I believe the word of God is too. So if you think, nah, I'm good, they need to hear that. No, you need to hear that. That's what the religious leaders did. Like, we need to stop with the pridefulness and hear it for what it says. Man, it's saying remain faithful in your life, in my life. I can quickly get to a place where I read the same as I did five years ago. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to remain faithful, and that means I'm going to grow. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to understand more. I'm going to add more, or I'm going to research more. I'm going to get a commentary next to me and go, man, what is, how does this line up in my life? But it can't happen if we just mark off a checklist of, okay, I read today. It has to be something that we're going and seeking after. Something that you're challenging yourself. Hey, how I was reading, maybe today I need to start searching it and doing it differently. Remain faithful to my teachings, Jesus says to the Christians. And then verse 32, it said, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Can I just ask a a question that I think some of you might be thinking? What is, like, real truth? Like, what is that? Like, because you and I, we can look at many things. I mean, there's, like, things on social media now where there's, like, a dress and you all see, like, purple and I see blue. And it's like, what? How'd that happen? Like, you all know what I'm talking about. Like, we can come to different decisions or conclusions looking at the same thing. We see that in our society all the time. People, People can can make decisions and they're two different answers so so then we get to like what is the truth like what is this like what is the truth and the truth it'll set us free like how do we come to that decision really what we're even told and what we're displayed in this moment is these people they they, remember they in that time they were looking for a political leader they because they were literally in slavery in many ways under the Roman Empire. And they were like, our Messiah is going to come and Jerusalem is going to be freed by a political figure that's coming with like a sword and going to slaughter people and he's going to be awesome and all this stuff. And Jesus comes so humbly. But then he speaks to this, the truth. And what he's speaking to is not what they wanted freedom in. He's speaking to a deeper issue, something they didn't even see that they needed. And I believe some of us, that's the struggle. We don't see the actual need that we have. Because what we're told in the scripture is that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We, we see this in our lives. You see this in the mirror when you look at yourself. There is some form of what we call sin. Bad. Something not good. The opposite of God. And what Jesus is speaking to this is when you actually remain faithful to my teachings and actually hear the truth, the truth that I am here, Jesus is saying this, like I am literally here and you're going to see me do the thing that you could never do for yourself, you're going to find and discover freedom you never could imagine. But it starts in this moment. It starts with this truth that each of us discover. Now, uh, I want to backtrack real quick. And chapter 8 is kind of a long chapter. And it starts out with just like 11 verses of a woman and she's caught in the act of adultery is what we're told. So you guys, most of you know what adultery is. If you don't, you're young enough, ask your parents later, and you can talk about that in the car on the ride home. That'll be fun. All right. And uh, what we're told is she's caught in the act of adultery. And if you're doing the math on that, where's the dude at? 
But some reason he's not there, but the religious leaders bring this woman and they bring her to a spot where Jesus is because they want to catch Jesus in like a problem that they can go like, see, he's not as good as he says he is. And they want to condemn him. And they bring this woman and they all have stones, rocks, and they're going to stone her because legally during that time, if you're caught in the act of adultery, death, right? That severe. This is, this is the setting. And they, they, they want to catch Jesus, so they ask Jesus, like, hey, should this woman be condemned, put to death for her sin, for her illegal action? And uh, Jesus' response is so important, and I want you to hear this. Verse 7, it says this. They kept demanding an answer from Jesus. So he stands up because what he's doing, which we'll see him do again, he's like drawing or doing something in the dirt, which we don't fully know what he's doing, but I'm just so interested in those kind of things. But, um, and it says, uh, so he stands up and he said, all right. So they asked him, can she be put to death for her sin? Jesus stands up, responds, all right, which if you're the woman or not, you're like, whoa, hey, <laughs> like, hold on a second. Like, he says, all right, right? But then he says, but... And he says, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again, started writing in the dust, in the dirt. So he says this statement, goes back down. This is the set, tons of people holding rocks ready to murder this woman for her action. He says this statement, stoops back down. The next thing we're told, verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until G only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one condemn you? He says to this woman. She says, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more this short 11 verses of a setting where Jesus has an interaction with a woman and with a crowd. And, and, and I think even a question maybe you need to ask yourself today is, like, what voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the critics or are you listening to Christ? Are you listening to the critics that you, you failed, you, you've gone too far down, like you're, you're too far gone, like you've got to fix your life before you can really like do this whole like following Jesus thing, all this stuff. You can listen to the critics or you can listen to Christ. Christ says, hey, he who, who has no sin cast the first stone. And everyone walks away because they know the reality of their own personal lives, that you have messed up, that you are sinful. That's the reality. Jesus stands back up, looks at the woman, says, where are they? She says, they're gone. Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. And he says, go and sin no more. I think that's important because when you know the truth, the truth can set you free. And the, the truth setting you free is not that you continue to live in your dysfunction, in your anger, in your hate, in your judgment, all this stuff. No, it sets you free to live in the identity of Christ. This is, this is what we're told. This is how we see this play out in our own lives. I think for some of you today, maybe the biggest question I have is, who is Jesus to you? For, for some of you, you have to wrestle with that reality. Is he just a historical figure? You can, you can read him in the scriptures. You can also read him in secular documents found in the same period. 
and they spoke about Jesus because Jesus was kind of this famous dude. Is he just some famous guy? They, secular documents as, long, uh, as well as the scriptures, historical document right here, speak about Jesus and people saying that he was resurrected, he conquered death. And, and there were hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after the death. Who do you say Jesus is? What we're told in scripture, what we know in our own lives, what this woman experienced, and throughout John, what we see woman and man experience over and over again is they have an encounter with the Messiah, and he transforms their life forever. See, uh, something we, we do here is we, we do something we call baptism, and it's an action. It's a statement. I want you to hear this. It's, it's not special water. It's none of that. It's a declaration like communion is, where we're reminded of something essential to our lives. And, and it's us going under the water, death to our past, to our sin. And I want you to hear this because uh, what you need to understand is you, me, we're not good enough. What Scripture says and what we know in our own reality, like we mess up all the time. When we say, okay, I'm not going to talk to you anymore like that. And then you talk to them still like that. When you, you don't want to do things and you still do them, Scripture speaks about that. And, and what we're told is that you can't on your own. You couldn't on your own. But Christ came and what we're told is the cross, the things that were nailed on the cross were your sin, were my sin. You're not good enough, but Jesus is. And he came and he sorted out the sin issue once and for all. What we're told is, baptism is a visual of that. Death of your sin, death of your past, lifted back out of the water, resurrection like Christ conquered sin and death once and for all for you and for me. That we walk in a new identity. We say it here that we belong in Christ. We belong in Christ. Our identity is in him. It's not in me. It's not in what Scott can do because Scott messes up a lot. Like, it's, it's not in that. It's in recognizing my identity is in Christ. So we respond in baptism. Now, what Scripture speaks about is that you would repent. Repent is turning of ways from what you once knew and understood to a new identity, to a new realization that you would recognize. It starts there. What we're told is Jesus, that he would come for each of us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, just has faith, recognizes Christ. This is this realization for us. It starts here. It's not special words. It's not a special action. It's a recognition. It's a repentance. It's a realization, turning of your ways to who Christ is. It's that. But then what we're told is repent and be baptized. Baptism, it's a, it's a declaration, a statement. It's a realization for many of us as we come out of the water that you are no longer bound by your past. you got to stop going through life with clenched fists because it's not up to you anymore. You are called and your identity is in Christ. So now you respond like this. See, today, my hope and my prayer is that the Spirit of God is working on some of you right now. You've never responded to who Christ is. And for all of us, we have to have a response at some point to who he is. And for some of you today, maybe today is the day where you respond to that good news. It's a recognition of Jesus as Lord. And then it's a response and a next step in baptism. I want to encourage you right now. Maybe that's the next step you have to take. Whether you're online or in, on the campus, it's a response that we make right now. And 
if that's for you to take that next step. There's no special word you say, but we say some words because it's us saying something verbally enters our mind and it enters our heart that we would recognize really what this means. And I want to encourage you in just a moment, would you say this prayer with me? But I also want to encourage you, if you, uh, whoever you are, wherever you're at, we all say this prayer together. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, Jesus, I recognize you as Lord. Give me the strength to remain faithful. To know your truth. And your truth sets me free. Jesus, you are my Lord. I recognize you. I will follow you. Thank you for your amazing grace. That you would guide and direct my ways. It is in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, that today we say, Amen.